It's, uh, it's my joy to be here with you and to just celebrate Christmas with you and uh, experience the joy of the season and realizing that uh, the true joy of the season as we celebrate week after week, not just at Christmas, is Christ and uh, ultimately Christ as our peace. And we've been looking at that as a church together for the month of December, how, how Christ brings peace because 600 years before Christ was even born, it was announced of him. That he would be born and he would be called the Prince of Peace. There was a, to be a child, Isaiah says, 600 years prior, he says, For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so that is the one in whom we uh, look to. Now in this world that seems to be chaotic, we wonder where is the peace when there seems to be war and conflict overseas all the time. We wonder where is the peace there. There's war and conflict in our own hearts, in our own families, in our own relationships. There is turmoil. We wonder where is the peace there. We have anxieties, especially come forth at Christmas time. Anxieties in our hearts and we say, where is the, the peace there? Where is this Prince of Peace? How come he's not reigning? And so this evening we're going to highlight this Prince of Peace who has come. If you're familiar with the account of Christmas, uh, Ron read a portion of it where um, Mary, who was not yet wed to Joseph, was found to be with child. And it was announced to her that she would give birth. And she submits to God. And she says, okay. And Joseph willingly submits to God as well and comes forth this child. And they name him as they were told to name him, Jesus. That name was a very common name of the era. It wasn't unique to his time, but he was very unique in who he was because his name represented who he was. And his name was after the Old Testament or the Hebrew version of Joshua, which means God saves. And so he is called Jesus, God saves. And when the angels tell, um, they're singing a song and they say, you shall call his name Emmanuel. That means God with us. And so this evening I want to look at a text of the Bible with you that's not a common Christmas text, but yet it tells us everything there is to know about this Prince of Peace and how it is he actually brings peace on this earth in a way that is much more satisfying and is much more lasting than what you know a happy Christmas can bring you or a peaceful year can bring you or... Um, a good, cushy bank account can bring you. This is Colossians chapter 1. It says this of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him... All things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you says, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh. 
did it by his death. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him as great judge. This is what the word of God says about Jesus. He's not just a baby who is special. He's not just a story in Bethlehem. He is, says, the image of the invisible God. Those words are astounding. God is invisible. We know from the Old Testament, it tells us, the Bible says repeatedly, that the heavens declare the glory of God. So basically what God has made, the beauty of His creation, tell you how beautiful He is as a creator. They declare His glory, that He deserves praise and adoration from all of us. The heavens declare His glory. But yet He still remains invisible. Moses begged to see God. He said, can I just see your face? And God said, you will not see me. He's the invisible God. And so oftentimes, you know, I've had friends who said, if I could just see, if I could just see him in front of me, I would believe in him. He's this invisible God, the God who created all things. He's uncreated. But here we have Jesus who became the image of the invisible God. He then took on flesh to show us what God was like. How did Jesus respond when people were mean to him and rude to him? He was kind. He was generous. He was compassionate. He was loving. How did he respond to people who spoke poorly of God? He was not kind. He was not shy. This is the image of the invisible God. So a God who once seemed so distant, so far off, a God so unknowable has now come. This is the image of the invisible God. In Matthew 1.23, as Ron read it, they said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's no longer some distant thing. A being that is maybe out there, maybe not out there. He has come, and he's come for a reason. He didn't just come to be this account that we talk about year after year. He didn't just come to be this, this person that the whole calendar is based around. Why did he come? That is to bear image to who he was. To show us his love. To demonstrate his own love for us, the Bible says. And this is not just God sending someone else. Sending like a representative. That's what he made Adam and Eve for and you and me for. We are meant to be his representatives. We are meant to image God and reflect God so that when people look at other people, they say, wow, God is kind and God is generous That's what we're meant to be, but we're not that way. We're selfish. And and so therefore God had to send a perfect representative, but is not a third party. He himself has come. That's why Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. It tells us in in that passage in Colossians I read, that he is not just distant, he is not just something other than God. No, he in fact is God. It says, for by him, by Jesus Christ, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him. He had the power to create all things, and all things were created for him. Just like the the Psalms tells us the heavens declare his glory, meaning he deserves praise. Well, he's now come, and he said he's created for him. It says, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might be preeminent. Meaning he, he came in the flesh, To show us, not just that he might die, 
but that when he died, he would rise again so that he might be the firstborn from the dead to show us a hope of a resurrection. To show us that this life is not all there is. To show us that we may live on. That there is a hope of a resurrected body. That there is a hope of a future. There's this, this is not all there is. And it says, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All the fullness of God. It wasn't just a part of God. It wasn't just like He was a really spiritual man. It wasn't like He was just some anointed weird guru. No. All of the fullness of God was pleased. It brought all of God pleasure to be here in the person of Jesus Christ. And why did it bring pleasure to him? Because through this man, Jesus, it says, he would reconcile all things to himself. Because when you and I, who were created to image God and to be selfless and to be loving and to be generous, when you and I are selfish and not generous, and not kind, we don't image God well, and we, we turn from God, and we've, we've walked away from what God has designed us to be. We've said, you know what, God, your plan is not my plan. I'll do what I want. And so therefore we need, then, reconciliation. We've, we've broken our relationship with our Creator, the God who made us and who loves us, and who sustains our life. We've broken our relationship with Him. We've, we've done it. And so therefore, He needs reconciliation. There needs to be something that takes place where we can be made one and right with God again. How might it be? Well, it says, He, through Christ, is going to reconcile to Himself all things. And He's making peace. And the way in which He does it is shocking. It says He makes peace by the blood of His cross. So this Jesus didn't just come to have this amazing Christmas celebration. The point of His coming was His death. Because He made peace by the blood of His cross. It was through His very death that there is peace made. It is not through anything but that. It's interesting that it's through His cross, through the torture that He endured, that there was peace made. That was the peace offering. That was the reconciliation. It was His own life for yours. In order for you to be made right with God, Christ had to die. Because you had a record of wrongs standing against you. So He took it, willingly, lovingly. He said, I'll take it all. If you're counted as a liar, if you're counted as a murderer, you're counted as an adulterer, He took it. He said, I'll take it. And I will die and be punished for it so that they can be made right with God. So they can be reconciled to God. So that there can not just be hostility and war and enemy opposition and distance for all of eternity and separation. He says, no, I want there to be peace between them and myself. So I, therefore I will pay the penalty. I will die the death there to die. It says in Matthew one twenty one, as Ron read, Mary will bear a son, she will call his name Jesus, for, because, he will save his people from their sins. This is the one who is the Prince of Peace. In Colossians it says, you were once alienated, it means distant, and hostile in mind, you were doing evil deeds, but he has now reconciled in his body, not just far off, but in his own death, in order that he might present you so once you, you die, you meet God face to face, He's going to present you holy. 
and blameless and above reproach, like with nothing on your record of wrongs, he's going to present you and say, they're mine. I have bought their peace with my own blood. This is the Prince of Peace. So the question is that we must ask each one of us is, is he my prince? Is he ruling my heart? Is he my peace? Or am I trusting in something else? Am I trusting in a way? Am I trusting in a religion? Am I trusting in something that I can do? Or do I trust in him as my peace? Is he your prince of peace? Let me pray. Well, God, I desire that each one of us would know who Christ is, not just as a baby born in a manger, not just as one who grew up and did miraculous things, but also as one who would die in our place because we need to be made right with you. We have sin in our hearts and our lives. God, we know we have a conscience that tells us we are, are wrong and we need to be made right. And so we are thankful that Christ has come to save us from those sins, that he's come to make peace with between us and you if we would just trust him, if he would rule our lives, if he would be the one we lean upon and nothing else. God, I pray that for each one of us tonight, that you would help us if we already do believe to believe even more and celebrate his coming because it meant life for us. And if there's some who don't yet believe, God, I pray for them that you would show them the fulfillment they may have in believing, the joy they may have in believing and resting in you. There is true peace to be had and had only through Christ, the Prince of Peace. Help us then to celebrate that in spirit and truth this week, this season, and every week for the rest of our lives that we might celebrate Christ as our Prince of Peace. We pray it in his name. Amen.